It's going to be again tonight, 2 Corinthians 5 and 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. We began this message last Wednesday night. Its title is Love That Compels. And we're living in a time where the world is trying to push its definition of love in the church and make us accept what they call love. And we're just not going to be found doing that. Uh, love is, even the church now, a big, huge part of the church is has bought into this. And, and they're trying to exchange what true love is and what true love does for what they're calling love now. And, uh, you know, you, you can't function against what the Word of God says and experience the love of God. Amen. The love of God, the Bible says, rejoices in the truth. But it won't rejoice in iniquity. And what was iniquity ever in the eyes of God is still iniquity. And, and love can't rejoice in that. So that lets us know, according to the Scriptures, that love, the love of Christ, cannot rejoice in sin. That's some other kind of love rejoicing in sin. The love of Christ rejoices in the truth that makes us free from sin and liberates us from sin, the power of sin. Amen. Amen. So let's begin tonight in 2 Corinthians 5 and 14. I have a few things to share with you tonight. I think the Lord will bless us. 2 Corinthians 5 and 14. For the love of Christ constrains us because... We thus judge that if one died for all, then all were dead. So you see, we're all on the same level playing ground, if you will. No, nobody's higher or lower. Nobody's better. Nobody's worse. We're all human beings. We all came into this world with a sin nature. We all came into this world lost and on our way to hell. We had to hear the gospel, and we had to believe the gospel. And the moment we did, the Bible says in Romans 5 and 5 that the Lord shed his, his, his love, his love abroad in our hearts. So we have his love in us as Christians because we can't really function without his love. Everything has to be because of love abiding in us. Everything has to be because we now have love. You remember what Paul said. He said, if I speak with all the other tongues and have not love, I'm just making a bunch of racket. In 1 Corinthians 13, 1. And it follows there to say that even if I go out and sell everything I got to feed the hungry, if I have not love, I'm nothing. I'm not getting anything for it. He said. He goes on to say, because he's trying to make a point here, and I want to cover this tonight. I got ahead of myself, but it'll be okay. He says, even if I give my life to be burned at the stake for someone else to live, is what he's talking about. If I give myself to be burned at the stake for whatever reason it is, and I don't have love, he says, if I don't have love, then it's for nothing. 
And what does that tell us when we read those things in 1 Corinthians chapter 13? That we can speak in tongues and it not be love. That we can be feeding the hungry and it not be love. That we can even be dying for somebody so they can live and it not be love. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? You've got to have love. And that means you've got to be born again because only through the born again experience do you receive the love of God. It's the love of Christ is what it is. And that's what's constraining us if our judgment is that if Christ died for all, that means we were all dead. See, that's the judgment that has to be being made for us to experience the love of Christ constraining us, compelling us, preoccupying us. That, those are the definitions of constrain. If you remember from last week, let me just read them to you. The love of Christ constrains us. That word constrains means it holds together. If it is the love of Christ, we can stay together. See, everybody don't know what love is. A lot of people got their own views of love. That's why folk can't stay together. Because if it is the love of Christ, it can hold us together. See, a lot of folk don't think it's love to correct false doctrine. So there'll be a people get away from that because they don't, they don't see that as love. That's love, my friend. People got this one-sided view of the Jesus of the Bible. Jesus did some things that if he were doing them today, they wouldn't follow him. Many of the people who claim they follow him wouldn't follow him today. I always am reminded of that time Jesus is teaching. There's crowds everywhere. And, and some, uh, his mother, Mary, and some of his brothers are trying to get to him. And they're way out there at the end of the crowd. They can't get through, so they just send word. Tell Jesus his mother and his brothers are here to see him. Word. Finally gets all the way through the crowd and gets to Jesus. And he, when they say, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are here, he said, no, my family's right here. Man, that makes the folk mad today. That, that makes some folk mad today. Jesus calling some of them folks, telling them their daddy was the devil in John chapter 8. Oh, that makes some folk mad. That ain't love. I'm telling you, everything Jesus did was the epitome of love and out of love. Even when he had to rebuke that which is false, even when he stood against what was sin, Amen. If God didn't stand against what was wrong, he wouldn't be just. Right. Our problem is we don't, like, we don't like it when it's involving us. Amen. I, as long as y'all are rebuking them, but when it comes my way, that ain't love. Man, if they loved me, they wouldn't be treating me this way. You know what I mean? We know how it is. You start preaching, boy, everybody in church starts looking at, I wonder who this message is for. Let me tell you tonight, it's for you. And this fellow here. Because we all on the same level ground. 
For the love of Christ constrains us, compels us, holds us together. It arrests us as a prisoner. Remember last week I mentioned how Paul was in jail and he, he didn't say I'm a prisoner of whoever. He said I might be in jail but I'm a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. A prisoner of his love. It means to compel. It means to preoccupy. Are you preoccupied with the love of Christ? I'm telling you, I, we need to be preoccupied with His love. But His love is not just feelings and emotions. That's, that's, that's not love. Amen. Love is not feelings and emotions. You, you will have feelings and emotions, but you have them every moment of your life anyway. People drink for feelings and emotions to change. People do drugs, so their feelings and emotions can be something. You know, I know I'm speaking from experience. So the love of Christ, it constrains us. It holds us together if we're making that judgment. Not if we did make it, because it, it, it's, it is constraining us. It is holding us together because we keep making that judgment. That because Jesus died for all, that means all were dead in sins and needed him to die for all of us so that we could believe upon him, die with him by faith, and be born again. Amen. So, uh, you got to get this, and I got ahead of myself, but I'm going to mention it again. In 1 Corinthians 13, I told you that there's some things there that Paul says just because you're doing these things that it don't mean that's love. So the doing of things is not a manifestation of love. It can be. But it's not automatic. Just because somebody's feeding the hungry it looks like love. But it's got to be through the eyes of God. Is God saying that's love? It's got to be the love of Christ. If it's not the love of Christ, then it's this world's love. And you know, there will be those, Jesus said at the great white throne judgment, that will say, didn't I cast out devils in your name? Didn't I cast out devils in your name? Didn't I do many wonderful works in your name? Didn't I prophesy in your name? Things that appear to have a, a sense of love in that. You know, you're casting out devils or you claim you are. Uh, you thought it was because you love somebody. But obviously it wasn't the love of Christ. Amen. So it's, it's not just because we're doing something and a lot of people are caught up just trying to make people think that they're loving by what they're doing. And let me tell you something where you're going to be found letting people know you really love them is by telling them the truth. And by bringing correction sometimes. A parent does not love their child if they won't discipline them. That's what the Bible says. I'm still one of them old-fashioned Bible believers. Hallelujah. And God's the same way. You better know that. So here's another verse right after 1 Corinthians uh, 13. How about this first verse in 1 Corinthians 14? Follow after love and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you prophesy. Prophecy is the most important 
gift. It's above everything else. Because it is the testimony of Jesus. And it edifies the body. It edifies the body. But I want to point out the first three words. Follow after love. 1 Corinthians 14.1 Follow after love. It's the love of Christ we're following after, not just something called love. See, here at Crossway Church, we learn what grace is other than just a word. We learn what faith is other than just a word. And we learn what love is. If you, listen, if you don't know what love is, where it's found, you can't follow after it. And it's the love of Christ. And I'll give you a couple of scriptures here in a minute. It's the love of Christ. And to follow the love of Christ, you have to follow Christ. To follow Christ, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. Or you're not following after love. See, I've said enough right there. We can go to the house. We can go to the house on that right there. To follow after love is not to follow after doing a bunch of stuff. It's to follow the love of Christ. But to follow the love of Christ, you have to follow Christ. And he said, if any man come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Only way we're following after love and not caught up in uh, doing a bunch of things to try to show folk love is if we've taken up our cross. Because you can't follow Christ without the denial of self and taking up your cross and you surely can't find the love of Christ if you're not following him. It just becomes a something in our minds. The love of, well, you know, when people start talking about the love of Christ or the love of God or love, they instantly start thinking about what they've got to do. Well, i got to start showing. And we do. We're supposed to be kind. Love is kind. Read 1 Corinthians 13. It tells you what love does and what it don't do. Amen. Maybe if we have time, we'll read it. So, Make sure you understand that if you're going to follow after love, you've got to follow after where that love is found. It's found in the Spirit. It's found in the Spirit. It's found in the Spirit. Let's go. Colossians chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to read a few verses here. Stay with me as we... Read down for just a few verses because the Lord's going to show something. He's going to show you something tonight that you desperately need to see. You desperately need to see this tonight. Colossians chapter 1 verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We, pay attention now, we give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus 
and the love which you have to all the saints. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world and brings forth fruit as it does also in you since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. Here it comes, get ready. As you also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. The love of Christ is only experienced in the Spirit. Thank you, Brother Dewey. The love of Christ is only experienced in the Spirit. You say, what are you talking about, preacher? If you knew Galatians chapter 5, you wouldn't have to ask that question. You wouldn't have to ask that question. You can't love outside the Spirit, not with the love of Christ. Galatians 5 teaches that if you walk in the Spirit, because that is where you live, tells you that in that fifth chapter, if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh, means you won't be trying to love and it just be flesh. Woo! Glory be to God. My Lord, that's a statement. You can't experience the love of Christ in a in a way that's that you should be if you're not walking in the spirit. I'm not saying it good enough, but the word says it good enough. Let's read let's read let's read verse seven and eight again. As you also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Your love in the Spirit. You see, life only happens in the Spirit. And being in the Spirit is not what most Pentecostal folk try to make you think it is. Walking in the Spirit is walking in the very thing that you stepped into the moment you believed. Galatians chapter 3 tells us that we began in the Spirit the moment our hearts yielded to the truth of Calvary's cross. That's where we started. That's where we began. Did you receive the Spirit through the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? You heard the gospel, you believed it from the heart, and you were immediately walking in the Spirit. In the Spirit is where you live. In the Spirit is where you experience everything. In the Spirit is where the love of Christ exists. It's where it's at. It's, it's, this, to me, this is very beautiful. It's very special. And it also reveals the difference between trying to love according to the flesh 
and loving in the Spirit. Because you can't, you can't love like you should as a Christian. You can do good deeds, but so can the world. You can do, you can do good things, but so can the world. They have their own. What's it called, Chastity? What kind of love's the world got? Pseudo, something like that? Paleo. Paleo. It's just, it's just, it's always a love that makes you think it's love, but it's really only love if you're doing what I want. Huh? A love under law. But love under grace is, see, love under law is doing to get something. Love under grace is doing because you already got it all. You already have the love of Christ shed abroad in your heart. But you have to walk in the Spirit to be able to love in the Spirit. You can't love in the Spirit when you're walking in the flesh. You can't love in the Spirit while you're walking in the flesh. If we walk in the Spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. That means we won't try to make somebody think we like them or love them just because we're trying to get something from them. That kind of love there won't never make it. That's why, that's why the divorce rate is out the roof. Because it... I mean, I mean, think about young people that think they love each other. And they do with the worldly love. But the worldly love at its root has a lust to it of the flesh. Worldly love that they're trying to cram down our throats in the church has a fleshly lust to it. Do you really think it's love? for a church to let someone who has a obvious and recognizable lifestyle that's an abomination to God get in the pulpit? Do you think that that is love? Do you think it is unloving for the preacher to say, no, they can't preach in our church because we don't, we don't believe that's, we believe that's sin. Well, that's not very loving, brother. See, there's a different view from the world's love and the love that we learn from the book. Yes. The love that we learn because Christ dwells in us by His Spirit. Yes. And I know that if you go home and read Galatians 5, you'll see some of those things that I've just touched upon. That if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you're not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, then you can love people with the love of Christ. If you're not, you can't. You can't walk in the flesh and love people with the love of Christ. This is why it takes discernment because... People are doing nice, sweet things. And, and, and I, mean, I mean, preachers will, uh, to get you in their church and to keep you in their church, they'll, man, they'll do stuff and not, man, they'll do all kind of stuff to make you think they're just loving people. And I'm not saying they're not loving. 
But if they're not preaching to you the message of the cross, pointing you to the gospel, then how can you learn to walk in the Spirit where you can love others with the love of Christ? Because most of what's called love in the church is really not the love of Christ. Because where the object of our faith is not the cross and it's something else, then that means we're living according to the flesh, dominated by the sin nature, and you can't love others with the love of Christ in that. Everybody okay tonight? Is there anything wrong with somebody doing something? I, I mean, I like it when people do good stuff for me. I'm thirsty. They give me a bottle of water. I don't care. I don't care what kind of love that is. I'm thirsty. You know what I mean? You know, but but it is my it is my mission to let people know that good works don't get us to heaven. The work of Christ gets us to heaven if we believe in it with the heart. Amen. Mm. Pretty powerful, isn't it? Your love. This Epaphras guy, he's he's let them know. He declared to Paul and them, the church in Colossus, love in the Spirit. We ought to have enough sense to already know this, right? Well, many years we've been hearing the message of the cross, but this is new to me. This is wonderful and beautiful to me. That love has got to be in the Spirit. If it's not, it's in the flesh. Galatians 5 says, if we live in the Spirit then let us walk in the Spirit. That means we experience the life we have, eternal life, if we walk in the Spirit. Amen. Paul told Timothy, you know, he didn't say, well, you'll be in heaven pretty soon, man, just do the best you can. No, Paul told Timothy, lay hold on that eternal life. You've already got it, man. Lay hold on it. You have to walk in the Spirit to lay hold on the life you have. Amen. Love has to be in the Spirit if it's the love of God. We have to be walking in the Spirit if we're to be found loving in the Spirit. If we aren't loving in the Spirit, it's not the love of Christ or the fruit of the Spirit. Hmm. Now there's two verses here I want to share with you tonight if you're taking notes Romans 8 and 35 both these verses have the phrase the love of Christ in them because that's what the love of God is that's in our heart it's the love of Christ that's what the love of Christ the Bible says in our our anchor our, our springboard scripture it's the love of Christ that's compelling us that's holding us together it's keeping us till we cross that finish line Romans 8 and 35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Now I can choose to walk away from it, but you can't pull me away from it. Distress, tribulation, persecution, starving, a famine, nakedness, being in peril or even having the sword under attack, whatever. Nothing can take the love of Christ from you. You can walk away from the love of Christ. You can abandon that. 
I know there are preachers that say you can't, but I know better. I know what the Bible says. In Ephesians 3 and 19, the Bible also says, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. See, being filled with all the fullness of God is going to require this ever-increasing learning of the love of Christ. Learning the love of Christ is experiencing the love of Christ. But again, you've got to know this. That don't happen except in the Spirit. And no Christian is walking in the Spirit unless their heart is yielded to the sacrifice of Christ. Romans 6.16 There's only two ways for us to go. One, we serve the sin nature unto death, no fruit. The other is we serve obedience unto righteousness. That's where the love of Christ is experienced. It's not experienced the other way and cannot be. If I'm dominated by the old man, the sin nature, unto death, I'm serving that way by trusting in something other than the cross of Christ. Listen how simple this mistake could be. And I'm speaking about my past life, so don't think I'm judging or condemning. I'm talking even about me, but it's going on in millions of Christians' lives. If you don't know that it's the death of Jesus, your heart has to be touching. Your heart has to be believing in. Then you might be doing something like walking around the house three times, uh, just getting your mind on something, expecting God to deliver you from some sinful thing in your life. Uh, That is you trying to free yourself by doing something, and God will never honor it because it's a spit at him and what he did in his son on Calvary's cross. To God... Everything you need is in what he offered in his son on the cross. And you have to learn that that's not just good to get you to heaven. That was good enough to free you from things that try to keep you in chains in this life. Just that and that alone. You can know God loves you, but if you don't have your faith in what God did to prove to you and to give to you his love, you will stay in a miserable mess even knowing God loves you. I'm talking about me from the past. You can know God loves you, and you can be telling him you love him and still be in a sinful mess. It's only when somebody points you back to Calvary because the Bible says the preaching of the cross is the power of God. The cross is what saved you. You trusting in your union with Jesus and what he did there for you that you died with him and now you're a new creation. You're not who you used to be. Now you can live but only if you keep your faith in the sacrifice because then are you walking in the spirit. Then can you love others with the love of Christ. Then you'll find the power to turn the other cheek. Then you'll find the power there and there alone to love enough to forgive people when they don't know the foolishness they're doing. Just like Christ hanging from the cross said, Father, forgive them. They they don't know what they're doing. 
Stephen said the same thing while he was being stoned. You have to have your faith anchored, not you got saved one time. You have to have your faith exercised, being exercised, meaning an active faith in the death of Jesus and then the love of Christ because you're then walking in the Spirit. You can love in the Spirit. Pentecost, and, and we are Pentecost uh, according to the book of Acts. Let me say that. But we, 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 you know, we, we're not a part of most of what's called Pentecost today. Because what they call being in the Spirit and getting in the Spirit is, is, is not what my Bible teaches. <clears throat> You've got to have your heart trusted, yielded to faith, being exercised in the death of Jesus to walk in the Spirit. And if that's not where we're walking, then we can't, we can't experience that love that's found there only. Right. And again, some people might be saying, well, how come we hadn't heard, you know, how come y'all talking about all this stuff now? How come everything's got to be about Calvary? How, how come it, everything's got to be focused on the Lamb? Well, what's God's focus on? The question is, Lord showed me this other day. He asked me this when, when I was sitting around. Boy, I know people thinking, well, you know, why, why is it we preaching on all this stuff now all the time? Just uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 11, about the Lord delivering us unto death always. And the Lord just spoke to my heart and said, the question ain't why are you talking about it all the time? It's why have you not been talking about it all the time? Yeah. But see, nobody wants to hear that. You start, listen, Robin reminded me sometime back here, I don't know, a year ago or so, a little bit more maybe, I, I started talking about the self-life, that hideous three-headed monster of me, myself, and I. Boy, folks started getting scared. <laughs> we don't mind hearing about the cross <clears throat> reserving us a place in heaven. Right. But we start hearing about the cross and how it's supposed to be affecting me moment by moment now that it's the cross I have to be beholding because it's the death of Jesus I'm being made conformable to. We start hearing all that preaching, which is the preaching of the gospel. And boy, we start backing up a little bit. Wait a minute now. You know. And I've heard it for 18 years. Why do they have to always talk about the cross? I'm gonna let the, I'm gonna let the Lord deal with them at the judgment seat over there. He's gonna probably scold me over a few things, but I don't want one of them to be ignoring the Lamb. I don't want one of them to be me saying, "Well, there was other things beside the focus of the Lamb." Hmm. So I gave you two verses there, the love of Christ. Let me read Ephesians 3.19 again. And to know the love of Christ, that, that's to know it now. The word know in the Bible not talking about this. It's talking about this. Y'all know the Bible says when Adam knew his wife Eve, she conceived. You see how the Bible uses the word know? Something very intimate. It means an experiential knowing. John 17, 3, the Bible says, Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they know 
the one true God and His Son whom He sent. What happened when you when you began to know God and you believed upon His Son that He sent? Something was conceived. You were born again. There's something about that word no. It's just not like, well, you know, uh, you know, uh, I, I know I need to be in church. People tell me all the time I'm a preacher, so I hear it every week. Just about, well, I know I need to be in church. And I'm like, when you know it, you'll be there. See, knowing something is being a part of something in the Bible. I know I need to be. No, you don't. When you get there, you'll know you need to be. Amen, Brother Curtis. Preach on, Brother Curtis. Okay. Y'all all right tonight? Okay. Let's see what I missed here. Yeah. How about a couple more? Second Timothy 1 and 7. This Bible verse we use all the time, basically, in the context of just fear. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of the spirit of love and of a sound mind. The spirit of love. You've heard me say it for many, many years. The Father loved us so much, He gave His Son. The Son loved us so much, He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death. He loved us that much. The Holy Spirit, who is God, loves us so much that He won't do anything but point to that. Amen. Remind us of that. Build us upon that. Love through us because our faith is in that. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all were dead. So God has not given us the spirit of fear. Well, what's He given us then? He's given us the, the spirit of power the spirit of love and the spirit of a sound mind. That's what you received when you were born again. Time to learn to operate in those things. Amen? You can by simple faith in the sacrifice of Christ. One more tonight. Romans 15 and verse 30. Paul, writing to the church in Rome, Romans 15 and 30, asking them, I beseech you, brothers, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit. For the love of the Spirit. That you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Now he's asking for prayer here. But he says it in this way. Brothers, I beseech you for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit. For the love of what the Spirit of God can do. 
For the love of what the Spirit of God can do. Because if it's not done by the Spirit, it's not God. When Jesus said, you can do nothing without me, that's exactly what he's talking about. I'm going away, but I'm going to send the comforter. He's going to testify me and show you of mine. You can't do nothing without me. He's talking about his spirit. You can't do nothing without the Holy Spirit. It's flesh if it's not the spirit. The only way we co-labor is if we co-labor with the spirit. And the spirit only works on the grounds, the boundaries, the sphere, the rule of Christ and him crucified. Because that, we saw it last week. If you weren't here and you're taking notes, write it down. 1 John 4, 9 and 10. The Bible says, let's look at it tonight. We got 10 minutes. <laughs> hey, how about that? 1 John 4, 9 and 10. This is of utmost importance that you not just see this, but that you allow the Holy Spirit to make this real and personal to you. 1 John 4 and 9, in this. Everybody say, in this. In this. Now everybody say, in this alone. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. How many of you know God loved everybody in the Old Testament too? But that love they had, that God had for them and they had toward Him, even in the Old Testament, had to be touching what was promised. It had to be touching what was promised. And the way they touched what was promised was by having their heart trusting in that promise of the seed of the woman, that promised Redeemer. And to show it, the men were circumcised and, and they also brought sacrifices. Right. If they didn't do that, God say, you don't really believe in what I've promised. Right. Watch now. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. That's the love of God. That we were all dead. If Jesus, if one died for all, then all were dead and needed what? Life! Life! We were dead in our sins. Walking dead folk. But He says that we might live through him. That's talking about through what he did at Calvary. Yes. And then verse 10 says, Herein is love. Oh, this is this really gets very oh, you need to hear this. In here is love. Everybody say, herein. herein. Only herein. Herein is love. Not that we love God. Not that we love God. The power of God ain't in your loving Him. The power of God ain't in you loving Him. Mm, it's in Him loving you. And doing something to show you. Here it is. Herein is love. Not that we loved God. But that He loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. 
See, both those verses that talk about love is in this, love's in here. Both of them talk about the cross. It's the manifestation of God's love towards you. Offered to you. What's the most popular Bible verse in the whole Bible? John 3.16. That had to be my name, by the way. My mama told me the other day I was born at 3.16 p.m. How's that? Glory to God. <laughs> I didn't know that until I was 62. I got a little excited over it. Where was I? John 3.16. Anybody know that verse? For God, let, how about let's just say it together tonight, okay? Isn't it beautiful? Okay, are you ready? Here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes upon him shall never die. Not perish, but have everlasting life. Die like die. The same thing. That's the most popular verse in the Bible. And that verse tells us God so loved the world. He did something about its lost state. He could have wiped us out and just started all over. He got close to doing it one time. He saved eight. <laughs> but I want to end this message tonight this way. I want to tell you that God loves you. I'm not telling you something you don't already know, but I am telling you something you could grow in your knowledge of. But if the knowledge of God's love was manifest at Calvary on the cross by Christ dying for us, and that is what is toward us, that's what came after us, and that's what brought us near the shedding of that blood because that's the love of God. You can, as we said, I said earlier in the service tonight, you and I desperately need to be learning the value that God placed on the blood. I don't know that we'll ever know the fullness. What's that song we sang? I'll never know how much it cost to me see my sin upon the cross. See, because I'll never know really the depths of just how much God loves me because it all is based on the value of that blood. His love for me is equated to the value he put on the blood of his son. So again, the next time you do a big piece of stupid, it's going to make you feel bad because you're a Christian. But don't let it take you out of the race. Begin to look at the value of the blood, at least in an increasing way, that God sees the blood enough to save you. You do know that the blood of Jesus didn't just save you initially. The Bible says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, what's that light doing exposing sin in me now? We have fellowship one with another and the blood cleanses us now. The blood still has cleansing power now. 
We still need daily cleansing. Well, okay, I need daily cleansing. We all need daily cleansing. This people go around telling people I ain't sinned in two weeks. You sinning now, son. That's some of the craziest stuff out there. People, people don't understand what sin is. They need to understand sin. That is anything that's not faith in the cross. That's what sin is. That's what sin is. Anything that's not faith in the sacrifice. Anything. Because anything that's not faith in the sacrifice is the law. The Bible says the law works wrath. And the Bible says the law is not of faith. And faith is what works by love. Hmm. It's been good tonight. We were given a spirit of love. We should have a great desire for what the love or what the spirit, we should have a great love for what the spirit can do in our lives. These people for the last 20 something years that God has drawn back his people, drawn them back to the place of Calvary. They begin to learn to love what they see the spirit of God doing in their lives. See, because you know you can watch that. We behold as in a glass that glorious image that we're being changed into. It's in a mirror you're watching God change you by his spirit. And that's a work of love, my friends. It may not always feel like a work of love, but it's a work of love. It's the work of the cross. Would you stand with me tonight if you could, please? Love that compels. Love that preoccupies us. We need to be saying instead of, I can't believe what they did to me. I can't believe what they said about me. I can't believe all, man, I just can't believe what happened. I, we need, it, need to get rid of all that and just be saying, I just can't believe how much God loves me. I can't believe how much he's done for me. I can't believe how much God loves me. In spite of all my failures, I can't believe God loves me. Instead of worried about what they say and they say, getting all caught up in all this political garbage, getting all caught, that's what it is, getting all caught up in this world system that's not even, the Bible says the devil is the God of this world. And we're just passing through. We're not of this world. So instead of getting preoccupied by all these things, remember one of the definitions of constraints, love constrains us, is it preoccupies us. You can be preoccupied with the love of Christ in the midst of every situation if you, if you continue to exercise your faith in the sacrifice of Christ because there is not only where love 2,000 years ago came towards you, it's where it comes towards you from now. It don't come from nowhere else. 
That's where it comes from. The word of the truth of the gospel. Amen. Amen. Do you need prayer tonight? Come, let us pray for you. If you need prayer, we'll be glad to pray with you tonight. Believe God. Again, don't forget to pray for those among us. Sister Allie, Ron and Rosa, Gwen and Gladys, others who are hurting, others who are standing in the faith, resisting, steadfast, the enemy. Thanking the Lord for his healing. Hallelujah. Thank you for those who have the hearing 
faith in this place and even abroad. And that you would open, Lord, the doors wide open for this gospel that you've given us to minister, to go to the ends of the earth. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for increasing the, the ears that would hear, Lord, for increasing, Lord, enlarging the borders of all of our ministries individually and corporately here. We thank you, Lord, oh, for filling this house with hungry hearts that don't mind looking at love and getting uh, the truth of what true love really is. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for showing us where love is found. Oh, where love is found. Oh, where it comes to us from and all that it'll do, all that it will not do. Oh, hallelujah. We worship you tonight, Lord, because your love for us is greater than we can even imagine. Oh, we worship you tonight, Lord, because you manifest that love at Calvary on the cross in your Son. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. The Lamb that brought the love. Hallelujah. The Lamb that brought the love. Hallelujah. Oh, the Lamb that brought grace and truth and the love of God. Oh, so that that love could be toward us and parted to us. Hallelujah. Walked in by our feet. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord God, for straightening out, Lord, where there's confusion about love. We thank you, Lord, for straightening out what's crooked and giving strength, your strength, made perfect in that which is weak. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you for repairing things that have been broken down. We thank you, Lord, for restoring relationships that have been severed because of a lack of understanding of true love. And I thank you for what you're going to do in the days ahead, Lord, as you break down our pride with the power of Calvary. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Glory be to your name. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. We give you all the praise tonight as we leave this place, Lord. We leave with our hearts full of your joy. That joy that you endured the cross for us to be able to have. By that faith that you authored and perfected there on that hill. Hallelujah. We thank you for that precious blood that was shed. The suffering that you took part of. The pouring out of your soul on the tree. Hallelujah. We thank you tonight, Lord we can leave this place with a greater expectation of more of the work of your spirit in us, a greater expectation to see more of what you're able to do in the church all over the world. And we give you all the praise for it tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. If the Lord spoke to you tonight, say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. He's a blessing God. Hallelujah.